Father God, we come before you this hour, dear Lord, Whew. to adore you this morning. I can see how when the shepherds got gathered together and went out and bore witness that you are our Lord and Savior. It's just a babe. I can understand the excitement that they had. That the scriptures were being fulfilled. That the promises of God have come to pass. And that their future was bright. So Father, today we, we gather under the same spirit. Your Holy Spirit. Your, the star is your glory. That rests above us today, Father. So pour down your anointing in this place. Let us experience you more than we've ever had in the past, dear God, as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. We'll give you, we'll give you all, hallelujah, the glory. So this morning, God, those who've gathered here in this place, let them feel your presence like they never felt before. Let them understand that you are still a God that heals, a still a God that empowers, a still a God that gives double portions of your anointing, that blesses us. Hallelujah, Father. And we thank you now for these things. As we go forth today, have your way in this place. Have your way in this place. Have your way in this place, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. You may rest in the presence of the Most High God. Some of the kids can go to the kids' room and do kids' things and empower kids. Amen. 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 So, this is December 22nd. This is, uh, this is the day the Lord has made. I know the official day here in the world, in the world is December 25th is Christmas. But we celebrate Christmas here today at the Empire Living Church the Sunday before Christmas and I don't know about you but this is for some reason I really get excited about this day um, I get excited about Christmas I'm excited about Christmas for like weeks and uh, I don't even get gifts like that anymore and you know? I just I just love the the thought of my Lord and Savior Jesus coming into the world yeah I know it's exciting because you know if there was no birth there'd be no cross if there'd be no cross, we couldn't have a new chance to have a new life, to live life everlasting. So, the fulfillment of the scriptures of old, of antiquity, said that there would be a Messiah, and they said that he would be born. He'd be in the line of David. And with the birth of Jesus, it was confirmation that he is alive, that our Lord and Savior is true, truly the living Christ. Amen? And so I get excited just to think about the newness of it all. But even in that, we're going to go back to our same uh, topic that we've been on for the last month. <laughs> the power of leadership. And we've been talking about this because as we go into 2020, we want to put into how we feel and we truly understand that this is how we lead. We lead here at the Parliament Church, the ELC, at the point of the spear. We, we lead at the front because we're believing that we are victorious in all that we set out to do. We believe it. We believe it. And I want to just continue to, to uh, just share from my heart about leadership. And um, it, I mean, it's just, there's so many things to think about when we come into leadership. Today's topic, we're going to continue. The new topic is dreams and visions and what those actually mean to a leader. 
Quite often you have experienced new things. You experience them through some dreams and some visions. Some dreams. Dreams are normally, you know, you really normally get dreams when you are asleep. When dreams come and the Lord will speak to you in those dreams. to get some clarity of thought. And then there's times we have visions. Visions are normally when you are awake, but sometimes maybe when you sleep. But most of the time, visions are when you're awake. So today we're going to talk about visions and dreams. You can go to our website, empowerliving.church, and hit the, the tab Sundays, and you can have the notes there from today's lesson. And so uh, stay seated today, but we'll go to Philippians 4, chapter 11 and 13. That's something new. Uh, it reads, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so this is part two of part one. Part one we started yesterday. And at some point I'll give a refresher of what we covered yesterday. I mean last Sunday. At some point I get a refresher of what we covered last Sunday. And we get to the new stuff. But today I'm going to talk about this Christmas. This is a guy named Joseph. There's two Josephs. There's Joseph 1, which we'll talk about later in the Old Testament. And Joseph 2, which is the one who got busy with Mary down the road a little bit. Amen? Okay, here we go. So, Joseph. Joseph. Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. Uh, Joseph was one who was said to be the, the father of, Je of Jesus. He, Joseph took some time to accept that Jesus was his son. See, he hadn't consummated his relationship with Mary. They were engaged to be married and had not married and had not consummated the relationship. And then when they did, Joseph said, you know, he found out that she was going to have a child and it bothered him to a certain extent that he decided he was, you know, he went to do his census. He went over to the city of David to do his census, which they did every, you know, they call for census, which we're in the midst of that right now, 2020, when they count the people. And so in his household, he was going to count married alone is in his household, but he had heard about this child and he was bothered by this child and he struggled with it. He contemplated divorce, but then Joseph had a dream. I'm talking about the dream. This is Matthew, the first chapter in verse 20 says, but after he had considered this, an angel Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, this was a dream. Sometimes when God blesses us, he blesses us so much that he can't just give it to us naturally, just experiencing physically. We have to receive it in a dream. Because it doesn't make sense. It ab makes absolutely, I mean, if he didn't, if God didn't tell me, I'm going to tell you something. If I don't get in a dream or vision, I am never moving back to Indiana. It's going to have to come to me. And I, I, you can't tell me because I'm not going to accept it from you, for you, from you. You can't say, thus saith the Lord to me. I'm not accepting it. It's going to have to happen in a dream. God going to have to speak to me when I'm knocked out. Because if he says, if I was awake, I'd fall out. So he's going to speak to me when I'm. <laughs> so I can imagine what, what Dave, what, for Joseph, for, he had to hear it from God. He was asleep in a dream. 
because he couldn't conceive that some woman he had not been with. I love this woman. I love her. But she got a baby now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He had to hear it from the Lord. It says, verse 21, she'll give birth to a son and you to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. <laughs> All this took place because, see, the Lord had, had to... Had to, have to, had to happen because it had to go through the lineage of David. And the Lord had to present himself here in physical form. That's what Jesus' name is, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord said. He commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he didn't consummate the marriage even then until after Jesus was born. But see, he had to receive it in a dream. But see, Joseph was a leader. See, when he honored from the Lord, he led from the front. He didn't take a back seat. He led from the front. He took on the responsibility that God had given him to be the husband to that wife. In spite of. But this is how we lead. We lead when God says move, we move. Amen? Isn't that exciting? That's a good lesson for me. A lesson for all of us. To see, you know, quite often we talk about the birth of Jesus. We spend time talking about the birth of Jesus. But Joseph did a mighty big thing. To take on a woman that everybody's going to, brother, hey, <laughs> you see what's in her belly? Around here we stone them kind. In 2020, we, somehow we celebrated. But back then, <laughs> they stoned it. <laughs> it amazes me. It amazes me. I'm a, it amazes me that uh, I talk to people, oh, quite often talk to people, and I'm constantly talk to people. And I'm like, so, you know, um, you're pregnant, so when are you going to get married? I mean, you got, you, got, you got a baby and everything, so when are oh, we ain't ready for marriage. That, that's forever. I can't, I can't do that. I said, but the baby is one. And so, don't you think that's going to be like a, that's kind of like forever. <laughs> but, the, the, but the thought of, the thought of being married is more contractual to them than having a child. So what are you telling me is, you, you may not take care of the child, but you're going to, I mean, what are you saying when you say, oh, I can't, I'm not ready for marriage. I'm not ready for marriage. Well, you're you having your second baby with the same person. I mean, y'all together. Wait. And nowadays, you together. My cousin, um, he together, he thought he was under 18. His, his daughter went to college, and he found out he's paying for college, too. So you're not done at 18, and in, at least in Indiana. He's not done to 25. 21 because of college with a possibility of grad school. So we got to think. So I applaud Joseph. Right? There's something about he led. He led. He had a dream though. And then visions. So the shepherds they led through after they had a vision. There were some shepherds that were out in the field and they heard about this Messiah being born but it happened to them in a vision. The angel of the Lord, we think Gabriel, came to them and said that 
the Messiah, which you've heard of, has been born. And they went and they followed a star. And they went and they got and they followed a star. But see, they had to hear it or they got chosen to share it to them in a vision. We had Joseph with a dream and they had them with a vision. And when they received the vision, they went out and they led. They didn't back, they didn't back down. They led. Let me show you how they led too. Because see, when they got there, see the king Herod was like, you know, tell me about this Messiah when you find him, you know. But Herod was one of those guys, you know, like who was kind of not really supporting another king coming. Because he was said to be Jesus was going to be the king of the Jews, the Messiah, the king of the Jews. And he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm king. But tell me when you find the king, because I'm excited too. But he really wasn't excited. What he was seeing was that, man, if he's king, how, there can't be two kings. But tell him where he is. So he was going to handle it a different way. But when they got to there, and they got there, and they saw that the, the shepherds got there, and they saw that it was the Messiah, the King, by what the the prophecy had said. Instead of going back to the King, who was the leader of the land, they chose to take a different route. See, they they led. They understood that this dude is tripping. This king is tripping. Well, we're leaders. So they led by not following in the step of who they, who he thought he was king. They did what was right for the true king, who was the Messiah, the baby Jesus. And they didn't return to the Messiah. But they received that in a vision. And from their vision, they decided to lead. Which takes us to Joseph 1 in the Old Testament. Joseph had brothers and they sold him into slavery. We're talking about, this is old Joseph, not, not modern antiquity. We're talking about old antiquity Joseph. This is going to Old Testament Joseph in Genesis. Well, here, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. But quite often, we don't understand that these brothers weren't just his brothers. They were his half-brothers. There was 12 of them. There was half-brothers. He only had one other brother with the same parents. And so these half-brothers were seen to be jealous because their father, who they shared in common, had favoritism towards Joseph. He made him a, a robe and made him purple and some blue. And they, it was a beautiful robe, which was, was an expensive robe, and it was unique. And they were like, why is this cat getting this robe? So they sold him into slavery and he went over to Egypt and he had this life where, you know, it was a difficult life, but he was able to interpret dreams, which was his gift, were dreams. See, great things happen through dreams and visions, but what is your dream? I'll get back to that. But what is your dream? What have you visualized for your life? So Joseph interpreted these dreams for the people who held him in prison. And from there, it made room for him to go into Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house was a, a leader in Egypt. And, but then he was, Joseph must have been a bad boy because Potiphar's wife had some nice eyes on Joseph. Joseph was like, no, I'm not getting busy. with I'm, I'm, I, mm -mm, That's not where I'm going. See even, see, even Joseph showed some sense of fortitude. He was a leader who understood to have some pushback, which means that I can't do everything as a leader. Do you know as a leader, automatically you are, are committed to making some certain sacrifices. As a leader, automatically you have to have some moral qualities to you. As, as a leader, it's demanded of you not to be like everybody else. As a leader, it becomes difficult because sometimes when you're leading, you're by yourself. Even when you're in partnership with one another person and you co-lead, you're not really co-leading all the time because you're still an individual. 
And even in the most best situation of partnership, which is marriage, in the best situation of partnership, there's some times where you have to go on by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be the one that says, I'm doing the right thing. Because it would be perfect if we all, 100% of the time, did the right thing all the time, collectively together. Or different thoughts, right? But then that's, that's what God delivers us with some dreams and some visions. God lifted Joseph out of his situation. And because he had the gift of uh, interpreting dreams, the Pharaoh, the king of the land at the time, needed some dreams that he was having. He needed them to interpret it. But Joseph said, I can do that. And out of that, he determined there'd be seven years of good years and seven years of bad years, seven years of famine. And in that seven years of famine, Joseph's family, fast forward, Joseph's family came to him. Those who sold him, Jacob and his whole clan, came over to Egypt in need because they didn't have. Joseph didn't do anything bad to them. He looked at his position and chose to bless his family. See, God will bless us and put us in situations where we are responsibility would be for us to be leaders and not to think about how we've been wronged by others. See, a leader has to put, be, put behind him the things that people have done to afflict you when you're leading from the front. You know, one thing that's hard, that's hard to do, it's hard to do is to, when somebody hurts you on purpose with intentionality, who actually, you, then you put in a position to bless them, to forget the fact that they hurt you intentionally. Here at the ELC, we do that. We do that because we understand that we are the leaders within this community and we have a responsibility to forget. But to keep focus what God has for us. See, Joseph, number two, who ended up marrying Mary, he had to keep focus. He couldn't think about what people were saying about him and his situation and his wife. He had to say, focused. Because he, he knew he had a mission to complete. He had to be persistent in his approach to life. He had to be persistent in understanding that I have a responsibility as a leader of my household, as a leader uh, who, is going to who has given the opportunity to have the Messiah who is going to lead God's people. I have to be persistent and focused in where I'm. So lesson number one today, remain persistent. We talked about that last time. We went to the verse Galatians. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, we, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Let me tell you something. I'm so ecstatic about we're moving into our new place on February 2nd, 2020. Right? But if we were to stop and give up right now, right now we were to stop and say forget about it. It's not forget about it. How could God bless us? If we, if we would have, we moved here and we saw it was too, too place that wasn't going to be big enough. We, if we would have just said, forget about it. It's not, it's not what we wanted. It's not happening. Let's just stop. You know? Man. I, but see, what's amazing to me is the fact that I was at a point where I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm going to I'm, I'm go ahead and talk to this man over here. And see if I can get that space. In the same moment, God opened up the door. But it taught me, do not give up. What God says is going to happen is what? 
is going to happen. Amen? You have to stay persistent. Last time we talked about number two, you have to visualize. With visions, you have to also work to, <laughs> with intentionality to visualize your future. What is your dream? What, what do you want to accomplish? What has God said you're going to accomplish? What, if your dream, does not, your, your dream does not have enough oomph, which means that it's not big enough for you to achieve by yourself. It has to be bigger than what you can achieve by yourself. Let me get that right. Your dream has to be bigger than what you can achieve by yourself. Your dream has to be so big. You're, you have to visualize something bigger than you can even imagine yourself accomplishing by yourself. It has to be so big for that God can come in and bring it into pass. It has to be so big that you are forced to take a seat back behind it. It has to be so big where you say, Woo! I can't even, I can't even comprehend that. I can't even do that. So uh, what I'm saying to you is this. I learned from the dreams that Joseph had, Joseph married, because it had to come to him in a dream for him to even be a point to visualize what God had for him. But I think for us, we have to be proactive and create these ideas of what God has for us so that we can then visualize what it is. Bring it in the past. Spend some time envisioning it. I'm envisioning us having a 200-seat opening service right now. I'm envisioning it right now at our new location. I'm envisioning it right now, all the seats being filled. I'm envisioning it right now. I'm envisioning what my 2020 is going to look out look like. I'm envisioning, oh, I see it right now. I'm envisioning me on this boat. See, oh, I am envisioning this opportunity for this business to come to pass. I had a meeting last year in 2019 with the chamber, and I'm believing that the entrepreneurial thing for the CDC is going to come to pass in partnership with them. I'm envisioning it right now because I can't do it by myself because we're not big enough to partner with such a big organization. It's going to take God to do it. But God said he was going to do it. So I'm going to continue to envision, envision it. How's your vision? Are you putting yourself in a position for God to bless you? Are you dreaming so big that it's going to have to take God coming by and speaking to you in your sleep? Because it's just so massive that you can't even comprehend it in your, and you're walking around. I mean, I, I want that type of thing. I want the, I want the type of dreams that, that Joseph had. I want the type of dreams that Joseph one had, that Joseph two had. I want them big dreams, you know, those dreams that God comes and says, drops into my life that I then have to be put myself in a position to visualize that this even co can comprehend this even can happen. I I want to be in a situation where I spend the first thirty minutes every day envisioning what God says going to happen, so that I can actually conceive it myself. So I just saw, spend the first 30 minutes every day visualizing it. You know? Re repeating it to yourself until the point that you can actually believe it yourself. Number three, the third lesson. Self-confidence. 1 John 5.14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask according to his will, he hears us. This is the confidence we have. 
Where's your confidence? You can't lead without self-confidence. Not going to happen. You can't lead well. Now, we're not talking about arrogance. We're saying this is the confidence that we have. That if we ask anything of God, he hears us. According to his will, he hears us. How's your self-confidence? You have to be able to understand you can go boldly but humbly to the cross, to God, and ask of him of anything according to his will. See, which means that you have to be in a relationship with God to know how to ask for things in his will. It's better to come to God to ask him of something that is according to his will. Like, you know, he wills for you to live a prosperous life. He wills for you not to suffer. He doesn't, he doesn't want us. So when you go to ask for something of God, ask of it according to what he has already promised us in his will. There's so many promises that God has already laid out for us. To be with us to the very end of the age. You don't have to ask for the, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to be here with you. He left it here for you to teach you all things. You don't, some things you don't really have to ask. Just, just know that they exist. You just ask for more of it. You know, God's anointing is here for you. It's here for you. You just ask for it. But he promises to give us double. So I want double. Amen. I'm asking for double, because that's according to his will. I want double. I just want a, 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 the anointing to come and the blessing. I want double. But I need, I need to be able to boldly and humbly come before the cross and ask God these things. Like, I told the story about I sold a, a dot org recently. And they gave me, they said one number, I ended up getting double what they were offering. Because I know what God said. They said one number. I said, mm-mm. I, went, I, re I rebutted with something crazy. I asked for, the first time I asked for five times the amount they offered. <laughs> Which is crazy, right? That's crazy. Five times. Over five times. But I wanted to be crazy sounding to them because I know what God said to me. I'm, we're going to negotiate. Let's negotiate. Five times. You really want it? Five times the amount. They came back. No, we can't do that. We can give you which was just short of double, but I already know I was going to get double. It was just short of double, $50 short of double. So instead of getting greedy, I went back and said, just give me the, what double would be. Because I asked for what was in God's will. And I got double. Because I'm living in double portions. You need to be living in double portions. If you're connected to this church, live with double. Just live with double. I'm living with double means you can live with double too. Because what he says in the word is, um, God has no respect to a person. What he does for one, he'll do for another. And as, as your church leader, as your leader in the church, I'm believing in double. You need to believe in double. I'm getting double. You should be getting double. It's just falling on down. Amen? Get your double. Amen. Lesson four. Something new today. Here we go. Lesson four. <laughs> write it down. You need to write down your definitive lesson of what you want to get in life. If we end 2019 and 2020, you should be writing down what you're going to do in 2020 and beyond. And have the self-confidence to let the belief that's going to come to pass. 
You know, something about writing it down. When I was in law school, they would tell us, don't type your notes. So you sit in an hour and a half class, you're not typing your notes because you don't remember them as well. They have you write them down, write your notes down. When you read all the cases, write along the, the you know, write out your notes when you read your cases. Because somehow your mind starts to remember those things when your hand-eye coordination, it stays longer in your mind. I'm telling you, so write it down. What are you doing in 2020? Write it down. Absorb it. What God, how God is going to bless you. Absorb it. What's your plan? What's the dream that God has told you? See, God is constantly speaking to us if we would just listen to what he has to say. Right? So I'll give you some evidence. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, God wrote it all, already wrote it down for us. That's the plan. So what part of it fits in your dominion? How's your Bible study? How often are you going to the word of the Lord? Now, one thing I learned about the Bible is that there's nothing that in the Bible that we do not need. But everything we need is actually in the Bible. You want to talk about business? Jacob, Joseph's dad, was a businessman. He had lots of money. Want to talk about bankruptcy? Job was a wealthy man who went through bankruptcy. And out of his bankruptcy, he was able to restart his business again because he remained faithful to God. Right there in the bottom. You know, the reason why there's seven years you file bankruptcy, and you get, after seven years it gets dropped from your credit or any credit on your credit report, dropping seven years. Because in the Bible, after seven years, they would drop your debt. It's biblical. It's biblical. We once were a nation that was a Christian nation. And so they went to make the laws based upon what the Bible says. So that's why after seven years, you can have that dropped off of you. You can start free. There's no more debtors in prison because they stopped having debtors prison in the Bible. You just had debtors prison here in America. You didn't pay your debt, you go to prison. They stopped that because in the Bible they stopped it too. Everything you need as a businessman or a leader is right here in the Bible. But are we spending time in the Bible and then taking those things, writing them down, and, and let them be part of our life, our vision, and our dreams? I'm saying 2020, go after it. Get your double portion. Amen? Number five, fifth thing, love. <laughs> So, with love, I understand that if I love you, and, and I do, I love everybody, and we should love everybody, that if we go to a, a business transaction or dealing or, or in a relationship, everybody should win. You should walk away feeling as though you won. I should walk away feeling as though I won. If we approach that in 2020, is that everybody wins, that's a showing of love for one another. I'm good for you, it's good for me. We should walk away happy. Nobody should walk away from a situation feeling as though they've been had. 
this past week, I felt like we've been had in this country. I, I, I don't like to talk about politics, but we got to say something. Uh, call a spade a spade. If you know he's lying, he's lying. I mean, just, he's lying. I'm sorry, he's lying. I mean, how can we in America, I, I was listening to some Facebook feeds, and it really troubled me. They're talking about Christianity and evangelicals. I think somebody needs, we need to talk about this because um, it's hard to say you're a Christian and you support somebody who's blatantly lying. The two don't, it doesn't mix. You can't say you love the Lord and all that is cherished in the Bible and you're true and you go around and advocate and say that. I mean, if you and I were to lie like that publicly and on video and and go to court, we we lose every time. Like 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 no. See, it's right here in video, sir. <laughs> right? And you said it. And you say you said it. But then you say it's not wrong to say it because they after you? No, they are after you because you said it. Which they supposed they're supposed to be. Because you did it. But one and one in America doesn't make two. Sometimes. That's why we have to understand that the Bible says, everything's in the Bible, that the government rests upon God's shoulders. Right? Because if I didn't have that passage of scripture, I could be worried sometime. But I'm not worried because I know that the government rests upon his shoulders and that he is the king of kings and Lord of lords. So no matter what they say or do, I, we, we can walk comfortably understanding that God has it all worked out. But we have to have love is the condition of all things. Let me show you. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 13 says this. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put, put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So when Jesus came into the world, when the king was trying to find him and kill him, they went over and hid in Egypt. It was the love that his parents had for the child that allowed them to go into Egypt and hide for two years. It was the love that Joseph had for God and his wife that brought Jesus into reality. Because if Joseph didn't lead as a man and take on the wife in spite of what the community said, but understood whose he was and what he was destined to complete, if he didn't have love to overwhelm that situation, where would we be today? There could be no crucifixion if there was no birth. There could be no Jesus at, at 30 if it wasn't a Jesus at 2 hiding in Egypt because the parents loved him. If it, if it wasn't for the shepherds to know that they were fulfilling the destiny that God had for them, if they had gone back and told Herod, we found the king, where would we be today? But it was the love that they have for all generations to follow because they understood that it doesn't stop with him being born. It begins when he is born. So what you do today has dramatic impact on what's going to happen for years after you. 
every one of us. So we have to approach life with love. It has to be that we are working together in love. And I'm ecstatic about it. Because as a leader, you have to be understanding that you're working together in love. Leaders love till it hurts. Leaders love when it hurts. Leaders love through the hurt. Leaders love. I saw this thing, I was telling them Tuesday Bible study, I saw this thing on, on Facebook recently. And they gave a list of what pastors actually go through that we don't talk about. And there's one part of pastoring I can't stand. I can't stand it at all. I despise it, but I do it because I have to. And I love to do it. Let me tell you what it is. I despise two things. Funerals, I despise them. Somebody from the church. I despise them. Because I show you a smiling face. Pastors do. But inside, we're weeping. Because we go to the hospital. We deal with the families. We deal with the emotions of the person. When they have those talks that nobody else gets to hear, we hear them. And I, you look back over it, that's the most painful part of being a pastor. Painful. But nobody really knows because they don't know you at the, at the hospital visits. They don't know the quiet times. They don't know the one-on-one -on -one conversations with the person who passes away. We have to stand and deliver a eulogy. Other thing I can't stand. I can't stand it. But somebody who you pour into at the church for weeks or months and you resurrect their life and you just love on them even when they don't, not deserving, even when they're filthy and you still love on them and you love on them and they leave. It's just like a death. It's a grieving that you go through. Because as they move on, you still there. Because you have been able to you avail, avail yourself to them. You give them your heart. Pastors give us, pastors, we give you our hearts. Knowing you ain't deserving sometimes. But we give it to you anyway. We give it to you because God gave it to us. And as leaders, you got to go through that same thing with people. You got to continue to love on them in spite of the fact that they not, they're not even deserving based upon man's measure. They're not deserving. But it's not up to you to pick and choose. You love on them in spite of. And the victory that you get at the end of the day is God smiles upon you. Because he sees what you're going through to be more like him. And what he understands is, I'm, I see what you're doing because you're trying to be more like your father. I, I, I see what you're doing, Joseph, with Mary because you're trying to be more like me. I, I see, shepherds, what you're doing. You didn't turn him over. You didn't sell him out because you loved him. I see what you're doing. You're loving in spite of. See, the birth of Jesus is the fact that God loved us so much in spite of ourselves. He was grieving over us because we weren't deserving of his only begotten son. We weren't deserving of it. 
but he's leading from the front. He says, I love you so much in spite of yourselves. I need to turn the tide. I can't let law be the determination because if law were just to be just the law, I would have to treat you like you justly deserve to be treated. If you disobey me, I kill you. But I can't go on like that because my heart is grieving. I'm grieving from you dying senseless deaths. And so I'm going to send someone here the best that I have because I love you so much to show you the way. Because my heart is heavy. But here, I'll fulfill the law, but I'll give you grace and mercy. And his name is Jesus. That's what today means. It means that we have an opportunity to get it right over and over and over again. Because God loves us so much. He sent his son for us to dream big dreams and have great visions of the future. And to, and to know that God loves us so much that we can go before him. And we pray and ask for things in his will. He'll hear us and answer our prayers. We celebrate today because now, man, our future is bright. Don't you know you can't lose? You can't lose. Even when you fall, even when you think you may have faltered, even the door is closed, know that God still has you. That it's, it's, he's directing your path and ordering your steps. It's not your walkway, it's his walkway. And his walkway may not be straight. And at times, especially if you live in Charlotte, it may not be a walkway to walk on. <laughs> but that's okay. Because when that walkway is gone, God is still covering you and carrying you to the right way. Amen? So I'm excited about your 2020. I'm excited about your future. I'm excited about our Lord and Savior Jesus. I'm excited about not what I see, but what I see. I see a new spot with 200 people on our opening service. I'm ecstatic about it. I see our praise team singing. You know, but we used to have five. I don't want five anymore. I want six or seven. Now maybe give us ten. I'm seeing. I'm seeing not just four, two a drummer. I'm seeing. I'm seeing double portion of everything. I'm seeing double everything. Amen. I'm seeing double, uh, double, double people getting baptized. I'm seeing double people being saved. I'm seeing double people speaking in tongues. I'm seeing double everything. I'm seeing double for your trouble. Amen. Yeah. What we tell? Oh, thank you, Father. Double for my trouble. Double for your trouble. Just stay in love and show the love that Christ has and gave to us in Jesus' name. Give God a hand, praise in the place. Come on, somebody. All right. Now today, today is Christmas. Well, I mean, today we celebrate Christmas. It's Christmas to me, shoot. <laughs> now there may be somebody here who needs a special prayer. But also, Christmas is about giving. <laughs> Christ came, he gave his life. Before him, his father sent him down. To take on a physical form. To be more. Just show us the way. And it was in his giving. It was in his giving. That we celebrate Christmas. 
You know, we went to um, Christmas Town this week, McCadenville, and I saw this man in a white beard and an older lady with white hair, with red on and white trim, with bells upon their feet, and they were walking around Christmas Town, jingle jangle, and waving at people. And I said, who are those people? But, you know, of course you know who that was. That was supposedly Santa Claus and his wife, Mrs. Claus. Did Mrs. Claus ever have a first name? Okay, <laughs> Mrs. Claus. And the joy they were bringing to people as they were walking around just showing love, right? Just waving their hands and showing love and jingle jangle. And I filmed it because, you know, I filmed it. Because it was actually kind of cute. And I went to school. I uh, last week of this, this school year, I substituted. They asked me to come back and substitute. So I substituted the last couple of days of the school year. And I showed the kid. I said, man, I saw St. Nick. And I showed him, showed him that St. Nick. And these are middle schoolers. And they're like, oh, man, Santa Claus ain't real. Santa Claus not real. But everybody wanted to see it. You know? They wanted to see it. He's not real. Let me see. So, uh... <laughs> And I was, I was amazed that even knowing that it wasn't real, the thought of him walking around, St. Nick walking around, Santa Claus, was still exciting to them. Right? Now, think about God and Jesus. We get excited about the fictitious. What if we were to live our life excited about the real? the real meaning of Christmas. You know, even though they say he wasn't real, they were excited to see him, but we know God is real. And sometimes we spend the holidays sad because some people aren't here. Right? Let's be real. There's some good times of Christmas and a lot of people are going through at Christmas and holidays. But regardless of where you are, it's time to get excited because now we know and we continue to know forever if you're a believer that God is real. And regardless of what you're going through right now in this day, you have a promise of heaven, eternity with him. But even then, that is in the future. He gives us a taste of it right here, right now. If you just take on the understanding that he lives our Savior lives. And that's exciting. So don't let the season get you down. Let the season get you up. To remind us that he lives. And get excited about it. Amen. Amen.